Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you had fantastic weekends. Had a really good time. Met a bunch of you up in Knoxville. Went to watch the Tennessee-Alabama basketball game. I'll talk a little bit about that. Both teams, I think, are pretty good. Um, but obviously a lot to discuss NFL playoff divisional round games over the weekend. Also, Ron DeSantis dropped out of the presidential race yesterday. New Hampshire is voting tomorrow. Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump is now a 1v1. More details associated with the Fawny Willis case in Atlanta, which is falling apart as we speak. And I love the way that Dana White responded to media uh, in uh, Toronto surrounding the latest UFC event. I'm going to play that clip uh, for you as part of a shorter segment. I put it up um, in uh, the uh, uh, my Twitter feed, but I'll discuss it and we'll clip it and it'll be a shorter segment that I'll share a little bit later as well. Uh, there is a Harris poll out that shows Donald Trump up big on uh, Joe Biden and suggests that with third parties involved, that lead is even more substantial. All of that going on. But let's start with what we watched over the weekend in the NFL. Uh, And I'm going to go in order, breaking down what I saw from the games uh, as uh, as we watched on Saturday and Sunday. First of all, Ravens just took complete control of the game against the Texans in the second half. It was 10-10 at the half. I felt good potentially. Not good gambling weekend, by the way, which we'll talk about a lot with the Kelly Stewart and I both getting... Uh, absolutely wrecked, even though we went uh, in agreement on most things. I think I went one in five overall. Most of the games were fairly competitive uh, for much of it. But anyway, bad gambling weekend, one in five overall, uh, no defenses. Although with prize picks, we won again on my individual picks based on how the athletes were going to do. Ravens won. And uh, I believe uh, that they should be favored. And, I, and I'll get into this in a moment. We talk a little bit about the AFC-NFC championship game. Maybe I'll even save it for tomorrow. Uh, but Lamar Jackson and the Ravens won comfortably in the second half, pulled away, and I think are deservedly favored over the Kansas City Chiefs, which we'll get to in a moment. 49ers, not a good performance. Uh, overall, they were very fortunate to win, got what they needed in that final drive with six minutes to play, the touchdown to take the lead, Missed a field goal from the Packers that could have put them in a better position. Uh, Will we see a better performance from the 49ers in the NFC Championship game? Perhaps. I thought in general, again, both one seeds winning, uh, kind of what we anticipated. Sunday's games were way more interesting to me. Uh, Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. I've been following the Lions uh, maybe more so than a lot of people would because my wife is from Michigan, all of her family's been from Michigan. I've heard so many things about how the, the same old Lions uh, are disaster for 20-some-odd years now. I started dating my wife in 2002. Started dating my wife in 2002. What are we sitting at now? 2024. 
So uh, I've been with her for over 20 years, and during that time, been around a lot of Michiganders, and I have heard so much about the Lions and how awful they are. I've been to Ford Field. I've watched the Titans play against the Lions uh, in Ford Field on Thanksgiving before, and it's hard not to be rooting for the Lions. So let me just say this right now. Unless you are a San Francisco 49er fan, in which case I certainly understand why you would be rooting for the San Francisco 49ers. If you are a sports fan and you have a soul, you have to be rooting for the Detroit Lions to pull off the upset and go to the Super Bowl. You just have to. The Lions have now won two playoff games this uh, this playoffs. That's more than they have won going all the way back to the 50s before this season started. They had one playoff victory since the 1950s. The Detroit Lions have now won two playoff games this year, more playoff victories than they have had going all the way back to the 1950s just in the past two weeks. So if you're a Lions fan, you got to be walking on air. If you are a Michigan Wolverine football fan, as many are, and also a Detroit Lions football fan, this is about as good as things can get. It reminds me of when the Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Braves won national titles in the same year. It doesn't get much better than that for you if you are a sports fan. And obviously, the Atlanta Braves-Georgia football fandom is basically an overlapping circle, right? Uh, If you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you almost certainly are an Atlanta uh, Braves fan. If you are a big Michigan Wolverine fan, very good chance that you're a Detroit Lion fan, although everybody, it feels like, ends up living in Chicago at some point. So there's some difference, some overlap that might be a bit different there. Uh, But it's hard not to be rooting for the Detroit Lions, how things have gone for them so far. I don't want to overlook incredible season for Baker Mayfield. Phenomenal season, by the way, for Jordan Love. Even for the guys that ended up losing, if you had told Green Bay Packers, hey, Jordan Love in his rookie year, basically, right? I know it's his third year in the league, but I'm saying first year as a starter, basically his rookie year, is going to win a playoff game on the road and advance to the divisional round playoffs, and it's going to be a close game and your team's going to have a chance to win in the fourth quarter every Green Bay Packer fan on the planet would have signed up for that. That would have been way better. If you'd said it like eight weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, they would have been even more ecstatic to sign up for it. So it's a very successful year for the Packers. Uh, Certainly for the Texans too. Even though the Texans lost in the divisional round, every Texans fan on the planet, hey, if I had said before the season started, hey, Texans fans, D'Amico Ryans is going to be really a revelation as a head football coach. More importantly, though, because the quarterback does matter more than the head coach, more importantly, though, C.J. Stroud is going to be a unanimous rookie of the year and look like a top 10 quarterback already as a rookie. He's going to win a playoff game. You're going to win the division, and then you're going to be tied at the half of the divisional round playoff game. Every Texans fan would have been ecstatic. So I always think when the season ends, it's important to go back because you're always upset when your team loses. But it's important to contextualize how you feel about being upset because there are very different ways to think about it. Texans and the Packers have to both be very happy. So too, even coming off the loss, the Bucs. Baker Mayfield comes in on a cut rate contract. You're tens of millions of dollars uh, over the cap based on what you did to try to win titles justifiably with Tom Brady. You are... 
uh, going to win your division, you're going to win a playoff game, and you're going to be basically in an even game late in the third quarter, headed into the fourth quarter with a chance to advance to the NFC Championship game? Every Bucks fan would have signed up for this. So Baker Mayfield with a redemption year. I think you have to be very excited. Guy went for, what, 360 uh, uh, this past year. Uh, I mean, in the final game on the road against the Lions. He wasn't the reason that the Bucks lost. You have to be very excited about the potential for Baker Mayfield going forward. Now, Mike Evans, what happens with him? Uh, obviously, stud-wide receiver. Lions couldn't defend him. But all three of those teams, I think you'll look at the Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love. I think you'll look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield. I think you'll look at the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud. And you say, losing in the divisional round, not happy with it. It's not our goal. We don't really believe in moral victories. But it was a successful season relative to what expectations might have been. It's impossible to argue otherwise. Not true for the Buffalo Bills. And I, the best game by far of, a, of Wild Card Weekend was last night. Chiefs find a way to get the win over the Bills. I thought the whole game that the Bills were going to win. The missed field goal, wide right, unbelievably difficult for Bills fans to deal with. But the, the, the missed pass that I think you have to have caught if you are, uh, are Stephon Diggs, perfect throw. In fact, Josh Allen had two deep balls that he threw pretty much perfectly that I thought should have been caught late in that game that would have changed the trajectory. But if you are Stephon Diggs and you believe you are, and I think Diggs would say that he is, one of the four or five best wide receivers in the NFL, you can't drop the ball that Stephon Diggs dropped. So I know a lot of people are going to focus on the missed field goal and it's the signature moment and it's so iconic and the Bill fan reactions to it were so brutal. But I think you have to go back and look at that and say this game was not lost based on solely that missed field goal. The Bills had a lot of chances to make plays, but if I could go back in time, that's a catch that Stephon Diggs has to make eight out of nine, eight out of ten times. I think if you go back, I think probably you look at that, he would say he has to make that catch. I don't know if he's commented on it yet. That's the play that if I could go back in time as a Buffalo fan and reassess, I'd want redone. Now, Josh Allen had a couple of chances to drop the ball off and extend that drive. I think he has to be a little bit smarter than going for the win. Honestly, and this is game management, and I love Josh Allen, and I think he is a transcendent talent, and he put everything on his shoulders, and he ran the ball, and he was, I think, I think you can argue that Josh Allen should be the MVP this year. Now he's going to start to cost nearly $50 million a year. But in terms of game management down the stretch, if you drop the ball off short and get another first down, you don't just want to score. And I would think the Bills would know this better than anybody after what they've had happen to them against the Chiefs before. You want to leave the Chiefs with no time. So it wasn't just that Josh Allen was throwing the ball into the end zone. Obviously, if you get a touchdown, more power to you, uh, take it. But he had easy check down first downs that would have allowed the clock to expire 
and also would have put you into, I mean, potentially expire with you getting a touchdown or it expires with a field goal and you keep Patrick Mahomes from getting the ball back going the other direction. So the game management, once they had that final first down, uh, I thought was lacking from Josh Allen. I also think, by the way, the Bills were very fortunate to be in the position that they were in. Uh, the, the fumble out of the end zone, it's the worst rule in sports, in my opinion. You shouldn't get penalized to the extent that you do. If you fumble the ball out at the, uh, you know, an inch from the goal line, you get the ball there. If you fumble the ball out the end zone, the other team gets the ball at the 20-yard line, just makes no sense. You should, I mean, if you want to say, hey, if you fumble the ball through the back of the end zone, it's a 10-yard penalty. Okay, if you want to back somebody up 10 yards, the loss of down. Um, I don't have a problem with that, but I think the punitive nature of the fumble out of the end zone is so significant that it overwhelms the, uh, overwhelms the impact in a very negative way. Uh, so, uh, that is how I would break down everything. We'll talk about Lions, 49ers, Chiefs, Ravens tomorrow in more detail and on Wednesday with Kelly Stewart. Certainly, I'll be watching these on Sunday with all of you. Um, I would also just kind of toss out there uh, to me, if Taylor Swift, the Chiefs win, if the Chiefs win, we're going to have two weeks of Taylor Swift. I don't know that I can handle that. It's going to snow under the entire Super Bowl. If we had Lions Chiefs, that might be at least a little bit entertaining because you'd have a lot of Eminem versus Taylor Swift uh, memes and whatnot. So that could be intriguing to follow. Uh, but come on, Ravens. Please get the win over the Chiefs. Six straight AFC Championship games for Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there's any doubt at this point. Patrick Mahomes is, right now, this generation's Tom Brady. It doesn't matter who the wide receivers have been so far. Six straight AFC Championships is an incredible accomplishment. Um, and... Uh, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, everybody affiliated with the Chiefs deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that because they have moved on from Tyreek Hill. They've moved on. They rebuilt their entire offensive line. They've had a lot of drops all season long, but in the crunch time performance, six straight AFC, AFC championship games is a pretty incredible accomplishment. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, so that is how I would assess uh, all of the divisional round playoff games that we saw. We only have three football games left. And trust me, this is always kind of like the saddest time of the year um, because I love the NFC and the AFC championship games. But when they're done, you have two weeks and you only have one football game left. That's kind of tough. I'll be, by the way, out in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Um, so, uh, so that'll be intriguing to see. Uh, all right. Ron DeSantis has dropped out. Uh, last week, I told you on OutKick the Show, I told you on Clay and Buck that 
after losing by 30 against the uh, against Trump in Iowa, there was no method by which Ron DeSantis could end up the Republican nominee other than Trump, and I said it right after it happened, other than a health issue for Trump or uh, some sort of court ruling that made Trump that I don't expect that we could get from the Supreme Court. So Ron DeSantis has dropped out. What did we learn from the Ron DeSantis campaign? I think the biggest takeaway is this. As soon as charges were brought by Alvin Bragg against Donald Trump in March of 2023, the race was over. Democrats made a calculated decision that they were going to try and knock Donald Trump out of uh, the race via felony conviction. But they also wanted him to be the nominee. I think you need to understand what's being planned. Now, they can be wrong. But the decision to bring charges against Trump undoubtedly benefited Trump, both in New York, in D.C., in Florida, and in Georgia. I'm going to talk about the Georgia case here in a little bit. That rallied Trump's base around him at a time when he was a bit wobbly and basically soaked up all the oxygen and essentially, I think, guaranteed that Trump was going to be the nominee. I think DeSantis would have had to run a perfect campaign, and he and his staff did not run a perfect campaign. I think they would be the first to say that. But even if they had run a perfect campaign, I'm not sure that any of this would have lined up such that Ron DeSantis was able to be the nominee. I don't think DeSantis hurt himself that much. I don't. And there's a couple of big takeaways here. 2028, everybody's going to run for the presidency. It's going to be a massive field. Because there's a lot of people who waited as Republicans. Presumably, there'll be a lot of Democrats. There's going to be 20 Republicans, and I bet there's going to be 20 Democrats. Everybody's going to toss their hat in. Everybody's going to be running for president of the United States. We'll see what ends up happening uh, as all of that breaks down. I don't think that DeSantis has in any way actually harmed himself in 2028. I think that DeSantis was the second choice of most Trump supporters. And I think if Trump had decided not to run in this election cycle, I think DeSantis would have been the nominee. But I don't think anybody could have beaten Trump. Second part on this, and this is something I've had to recognize, and I want to make sure the guys clip this because I do think this is a significant recognition. People don't care about everything that happened that was wrong with COVID. Voters. There is no demand for a reckoning. I want a reckoning. My thought process is there are about 25% of people, and I was clearly in this camp, that said from the get-go, we can't shut down schools. We can't shut down businesses. Uh, The decision to wear masks and social distancing and mandating COVID shots and boosters and all that was a failure of American public policy. The biggest public policy failure of my life. And there's about 25% of Americans, by the way, that we can play sports safely. Nobody argued harder in media to play sports than I did. And many of you out there know this. A lot of the sports writers that you read and or that you watch and or that you listen to A lot of them said in sports media, we can't safely play sports. Everybody's going to die. They were wrong. Only about 25% of us ended up right 
in opposing all these COVID restrictions. I couldn't have been more aggressive in coming out against them. 50% of people, I think, may have had reservations, but they basically behaved like sheep. They weren't willing to actually put themselves on the line. They weren't willing to actually stand up early to oppose things that they thought were wrong. And I think a lot of those people are, are frankly embarrassed and ashamed over the way that they behaved during COVID. I think that's 50% of the American public. 25% was right. 50% is ashamed. And then I think there's 25% that was wrong on everything. The Fauciites, the left wing in this country, the people who are still wearing masks, they were wrong on everything. They were. And they refused to admit that they were wrong. They're still out there arguing you need to go get your ninth booster. They're still sending out tweets every time they test positive for COVID and letting you know that they're isolating, but they're okay because they got their ninth booster shot. Otherwise, they would be dead. About 25% of people are in that camp. And most people don't want a reckoning. Nobody lost their job over their COVID screw-ups. Nobody. Even Andy Bashir, Democrat governor from Kentucky, got reelected and he got everything wrong with COVID. He shut down a red state. He didn't let people go to church. He didn't let people go to school. He told you all that you had to wear masks. He tried to mandate COVID shots. They wouldn't even fire him in Kentucky. Only Nevada Governor Steve, Steve Sisolak actually ended up losing a statewide race, statewide, in 2022. Maybe you can say in 2021, uh, Virginia flipped to Glenn Youngkin, partly based on being wrong on COVID. Maybe, maybe. Um, but by and large, there was no incumbent there. There were no consequences for everybody who got COVID wrong. I disagree with that. I am deeply of the opinion that there should be consequences. The entire purpose of democracy is if you make good decisions, you should get to keep your job. If you make bad decisions, you should get fired. I don't think we should hold high school football coaches to a higher standard of job performance than we do our politicians. But that's what we do. And so I think the biggest story of the Ron DeSantis campaign was he was right on everything in COVID. I think he was the best governor in America during COVID. But by the time he ran against Trump, nobody cared. Nobody cared. Now, maybe in 2028, we're going to get Ron DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom. And maybe I'll be wrong, and that will end up in some way a valedictory analysis of their governorships during COVID. But I don't think people will care then. People are forward-looking, and there are going to be no consequences. And by the way, I say that for Trump too. Because Trump failed on COVID. He was not good on COVID. He deferred too much to the states, something Joe Biden didn't do. Joe Biden was aggressively wrong. He came in and tried to mandate COVID shots. But Trump listened to Fauci and Dr. Burks too much. Now... In Trump's defense, it's March, April, May, June, early in COVID. I don't think Trump would have continued to listen to him in any way about masking. Certainly, he didn't wear masks very often. Uh, he brought in Scott Atlas. I think by the end of his term, 
Trump was far better on COVID and he was getting things right. But he was wrong. And I give everybody grace in March, April, and May of 2020. But by the end of May, the data was out there. We knew plenty. And so any decision that you made starting in June of 2020, it was a test and most American politicians failed it. And so, by the way, now have most American voters. Disappoints me, but people out there watching will clip this, will share it. Some people are mad at me. Because you're saying, well, you're not arguing for a reckoning anymore. I've argued for a reckoning more than anybody, almost in media for years. Nobody's responded and given us that reckoning. So at some point, you have to recognize, hey, we got a choice now. And it's a choice between Joe Biden and it's a choice between Donald Trump. And that is not a difficult choice for me to make. And so I was with DeSantis 100% on everything that he did as a governor from May, basically, of 2020 on. I think he nailed it. And I think DeSantis would have been a really good president. I think Vivek would have been a really good president. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there that could be good presidents. But Trump is my choice. To the extent there's any doubt, I don't think there is. But I will be voting for Donald Trump in 2024. And then in 2028, which will start, by the way, by late 2026, we'll see what happens, what the options are, where we are as a country. I don't think there's any doubt that Trump is an easy choice to make compared to Biden. uh, Because if you want a reckoning on COVID, Biden is an endorsement of everything that was wrong. The COVID mandates, wearing masks, keeping schools closed, listening to the teachers' unions. Biden got it all wrong. And he's gotten it wrong on the border. And he's gotten it wrong on crime. And he's gotten it wrong on the war in Ukraine. He's gotten it wrong uh, on much of the decisions that he's had to make. Inflation, basic economics, basic business. Uh, So DeSantis has dropped out. Trump v. Biden, it appears, is going to be the battleground. And to me, it's not a tough call. I'll be supporting Donald Trump. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, I said I'll be supporting Donald Trump. Usually, I don't endorse. I'm endorsing because this thing's over, right? Uh, We adopted, uh, Buck and I did, accepted and continued the Rush rule, Rush Limbaugh on our show. Given the fact that we have millions of people listening every week, never endorsed a candidate in the Republican primary. The Republican primary is over. I am endorsing Donald Trump in the general election because there is no pathway to victory, again, short of health or uh, the Supreme Court uh, doing something crazy that would allow Nikki Haley to be the nominee. When I say the Supreme Court doing something crazy, I mean the Supreme Court saying Donald Trump isn't eligible to be elected president of the United States. They're not going to say that, but they've taken that case with Colorado and with Maine. uh, And that's why I think it's so fundamentally anti-democratic is the fact that we're in this position at all where Joe Biden could be arguing, by the way, I got to pull my chair up, that Joe Biden could be arguing, hey, I'm the the voice of democracy here. Meanwhile, he's the one who is actually trying to put his chief political opponent in prison for the rest of his life and also trying to remove him from the ballot, his Department of Justice, his party. Um, Not a tough call at all. And Nikki Haley, I think, is going to lose by double digits tomorrow. Uh, Full disclosure, I thought we were going to have a competitive primary. I don't. I believe by... 11 o'clock Eastern tomorrow, I think effectively the primary will be over. And I would encourage 
Nikki Haley to drop out of the race and to endorse Donald Trump uh, because I believe the race will actually be over with a double-digit win. Nikki Haley has got Trump one-on-one versus herself. I think she's only going to harm herself going forward. She has no pathway to victory in South Carolina, uh, and I don't see any way that she has a pathway to victory on Super Tuesday in, frankly, any state in America. So I'm not sure why she is continuing to fight going forward. If we get what I believe is going to be the outcome in New Hampshire tomorrow, I encourage all of you to go vote. Uh, Granite staters out there, Iowa had a huge impact in who the Republicans were going to nominate. I'd encourage all of you who have the ability to go vote in New Hampshire. Also, look, go vote in the primaries. Um, There's a lot of other races other than president that matter. On March 5th, I will go vote in uh, the Republican uh, primary in Tennessee, my home state. And I will vote on a litany of, uh, of nominees and, uh, and situations out there. And I would encourage you guys to, uh, to do the same. Uh, finally, Fannie Willis. This case is over. And I suspect that many people who have not said it publicly yet understand it to be the case. Fannie Willis is going to have to step down as the district attorney in charge of this case. So is Nathan Wade, potentially all the other prosecutors too. And I think there's a decent chance that Fannie Willis is going to face criminal charges for hiring her lover and paying him $650,000, then using those taxpayer funds to be able to go on luxurious, extravagant trips with her lover. Um, You can't employ, as the supervisor, your lover. Just can't do it. Um, And so... uh, Again, I, I talked about this with the Nikki Haley situation, the allegations of, uh, of her having an affair. I don't really get involved in the public lifestyle choices of politicians or anybody else in positions of, uh, of prominence. I care about whether you can do your job or not, but you can't employ your lover uh, on taxpayer roles. You just can't do it. And Bonnie Willis herself said she would never do it in a clip, maybe we can grab that and we share the shorted, shortened version of this on social media. She lied to the American public about what she was going to do. This case is over. So uh, if you're sort of keeping track on all the different cases pending against Donald Trump, the March uh, 5th, I believe, or March 4th, sorry, is the date when the Jack Smith, Donald Trump, January 6th related trial is supposed to happen. It's not going to happen on March 4th. I don't think if it's going to happen at all, I'm not sure, but the Supreme Court's going to have to issue a ruling in this case before they can get going. Uh, Supreme Court, I think, will hold it until late June when they release their final opinions. You'll have to seat a jury. I think it's going to be very difficult to have this case in you know July and August of 2024 in the middle of a presidential election campaign. Uh, maybe they're as a result. So the Atlanta case is not going to happen. Jack Smith's case is going to be delayed. That means a South Florida case is probably going to be delayed as well. Those are both federal cases, South Florida and Washington case. I think maybe the Alvin Bragg case ends up happening in New York City. It's a garbage case, not going to have much of an impact. I think Democrats increasingly are starting to panic because they're recognizing that all these charges being brought against Trump have worked to Trump's favor and that they're not even going to be able to get all of those cases completed 
uh, in time to be able to, uh, to take advantage of that situation. So uh, that is where we are uh, as we sit today. Uh, we'll watch and see what happens on Tuesday in the primary there. Get you ready. Hopefully you have some winners for you in the AFC and the NFC uh, uh, championship games. I'll do a fade gambling preview show. Weak, pathetic, awful performance with the picks uh, over the weekend. Both Kelly and myself, we'll talk about them on Wednesday. Try to have a bounce-back performance. Appreciate all of you. Uh, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I'm Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick, the show.